Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Hey everybody, welcome to the QuiverCast, where we chat with surfers from all around the world, from all walks of life, and we get their story. Find us at www.thequivercast.com. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. All right. Today, everybody, we have a Scottish national champ, Mark Boyd. How are you doing, Mark? I'm very good. Thank you, Mike. How are you? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Weather's kind of nice. It's turned into a different season. How's the season up by your house? Is it starting to get cold? It's, um, yeah, it has uh, just in the last couple of weeks, really, or even in the last week, it's definitely turned. It's uh, definitely autumn, and it's um, raining a lot here just now, and it's got much colder. But uh, there's some waves coming. Unfortunately, I'm at work at the moment for the next week or so. But uh, the boys are getting some waves at home, and hopefully there'll be some left when I when I get back. <laughs> okay, so I got to ask you about that. You're from Scotland. It's kind of a, a a more hardcore surfing environment than maybe the majority of the world. Really, I mean, everyone yeah. has their elements, but. You guys just seem to have a little more cold, a little more rocky coast, a little more, uh, probably more sea life than a lot of the people around. Yeah, def- definitely. It's um, it's not the it's not the friendliest place to be a surfer in uh-huh. terms of uh, the weather. We get a lot of harsh elements, a lot of wind, and quite a bit of snow every winter. And um, yeah, it's pretty cold, and yeah, probably not as developed a surf scene as as you get in. Um, a lot of other places, but um, we get some fun waves and um, we make the most of it. Okay, so what I see of the waves of Scotland are you get excellent waves with very minimum crowd. Yeah, we definitely do on their on their day. But I mean, contrary to popular belief, possibly it does actually get quite busy. Really, where I live in Thurso, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty famous wave now. I mean, we used to have a six star WQS there, and I mean, people travel for that wave, so. It gets fairly busy. It's not always that easy to go and get a bunch of waves out there, but it's um, there's a few spots about and some fun slabs that can be a bit quieter. So, no, it's good. And then how do you say that that break correctly? Because I know I'm going to say it, slaughter the name. Thurzo East yeah, is the name Thurzo, of the, yep. the wave that, that I surf the most at, um, where I live. And we used to have the QS there. And yeah, I, I remember. Had the European Championships there back in the 80s and, um, a few other comps. So, how did you get into surfing? I got into surfing through. I grew up like on the Murray Firth coast of Scotland, so like down kind of along the coast from east of Inverness, and yeah, just used to do a bit of skateboarding and snowboarding, and um, used to go through a town called Elgin and uh, kind of go skating on the streets there because there wasn't really any skate parks back then. Okay. Um, when we were kids and used to go skating because I lived in the countryside near the beach and there wasn't any tarmac to go skating on. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> we used yeah. to take the bus yeah. through Elgin and hang out there and hang out in the skate shop. And um, the skate shop was owned by a 
by a guy called Mike McWatt and he kind of just put me on I mean it was a skate surf snowboard shop you know so he yes. kind of just put me up he kind of put me on to the fact that I was living at one of the good beaches in the area and suggested I tried surfing really and that was kind of it got Mike to thank for getting into surfing what did your parents think um, I don't even really think they knew what I was doing at the beach, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's kind of, it's really funny, like, seeing, you know, like, I do a bit of work with the, with the Scottish Surfing Federation and we run some junior contests. Yes. I mean, seeing, like, all the parents these days and how they're, like, you know, like, kind of pushing their kids into surfing and supporting them and driving them around everywhere. And yes. I'm not, like, my parents were great as well, but just in a different way, I guess, you know, there was, there definitely wasn't that kind of taking that kind of interest in what you were doing. It was just, I was kind of left to my own devices and I would just walk down to the beach in the cold and chuck my stuff in a bag and a phone box. And, you know, my grandmother was really good at the time. She'd come sometimes and pick me up wow. and uh, drop me off. And I'd, you know, it was before phones and I'd, you know, keep some change in my pocket so I could call her on the phone box or I'd have to walk up the road. It wasn't, wasn't that far a walk, but as a kid, you know, I was, like 13, 13-ish probably when I started surfing. Okay. I'm 36 now, so it's going back a little bit. Yep. Yeah, so it was kind of different back then. There, I mean, there wasn't like a contest scene like there is for kids now. and um, There was very little going on in that respect at the time. So it was a bit of a slow learning curve as well for me. I mean, got a surfboard, it was probably way too short for me to start with. Oh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I just didn't have a clue, you know. I kind of had terrible equipment terrible wetsuits yeah you know, just trying to learn in the summer by myself in the white water and a board that wasn't suitable and <laughs> i ended up just borrowing people's uh longboards kind of sometimes you'd get the odd surfer at a weekend and mm-hmm. i remember asking people just to have a shot on their board just so i could uh try and learn to stand up <laughs> so there was no one else in the lineup let's say a wednesday afternoon yeah like weekdays when i grew up there wasn't anyone at the time, really. No way. Um, sometimes after work, you get the odd kind of person would come through from Elgin, or yeah, you'd see the odd person at the weekend. But you used to get a lot of uh, goat boaters back then. There was quite a few, uh, like you know, like wave kayak yes. guys. Yes, yes, yes. So you'd see quite a few of them at the weekend sometimes, and I'd be the, quite often the only surfer. And then yeah, and then there was um, there was a there was a couple of guys actually moved into the village where I grew up around about the time I was learning as well. So they'd be there sometimes, but that was kind of it really. But I mean, they'd have work during the week. And, yeah. Um, First off, how did you even know how to surf? Were you watching surf videos? Like, I mean, the concept's there. You got a board, you stand up, but like, how do you yeah. progress? I actually remember, it's funny you bring that up because I remember buying a VHS with, <laughs> uh, I think it was Timmy. It was like a Timmy Curran. Okay. A Timmy Curran like instructional like progressive surfing video. Okay, and um, I think that was probably pretty helpful at the time. But other than that, it was just like I'd go into ESP the surf shop and yeah, buy whatever VHS they had to probably okay you know, learned learned a few things off Endless Summer Two video and <laughs> a few other classics. I think a documentary and try to think what other ones I had, but yeah, a few a few kind of old classics, Wandy Irons and. Maybe like Mick Fanning and stuff. They were kind of like Mick Fanning. I think they had that three degrees. Okay. I think that was maybe DVDs by then, you know, when it was Mick yes. Fanning, Dingo and Parco and that video. I remember watching that one a lot, but I think that was kind of DVD era by then. But yeah, definitely had a few on VHS. Did you love surfing or, or why? what motivated you to get out there besides at the skate shop? The guys saying you had good ways. Like, 
Yeah, just kind of, I just, yeah, still, I mean, I still remember getting my first green wave. Um, yeah. It was actually, it's a bit of a funny story. So one of the guys who moved into the village, John Gardner, okay. I borrowed his, and like all these years later, I should feel like apologizing to him again um, <laughs> in case he hears this, but I borrowed a minimal off him or like some sort of thicker board off him anyway. Yes. And um, I remember just getting like my first proper green wave where I kind of pumped along mm-hmm. and it was a right hander going in towards the rocks and I probably just got a bit excited and <laughs> stayed on the wave too long basically and ripped the fin box out. And um, oh. obviously at the time I'm just kind of a kid and didn't really have the means to repair it for him or whatever. So I feel pretty bad about that to this day, actually. So, um, John, if you're listening, I'll get you a drum. <laughs> <laughs> you you had this passion for something that there was no other groms around, no adults to, like, supervise you. You're on your own. Pretty much. I'd, like, there was, um, I mean, yeah, the, the couple of guys I mentioned, they would yeah. just be out there more often than anyone else. Okay. And um, apart from them, I mean, I would quite often get my grandmother to sit in the car. Like, <laughs> used to get quite a lot of, yes. used to get quite a lot of stormy kind of, like, and this is when I'm just learning, like, right. what is, uh, like, what is kind of surfable, what's not surfable. Like, uh-huh. I, I didn't really know at the time, you know. So 100%. I used to get my grandmother to sit in the car because I was kind of scared to go out. And I'd be surfing in, like, proper like gale force on shore just like oh, mush goodness. and not really knowing that that's not good conditions at the time right and um so yeah just i don't know what my grandmother was supposed to do there was no mobile phones then or <laughs> yeah yeah what is she gonna do <laughs> was she thinking like and did she warn you like you know this may not be good conditions mark or she had uh, no clue no not at all i mean i guess she was just going with what i my knowledge so <laughs> but oh, i guess she was i suppose so she was sensing my apprehension about going out because uh, i was asking her to wait you know so but yeah she was she was pretty good my granny and she uh, oh, that's yeah, great she about and, but yeah as far as kids i mean there was no there was no other surfer in my school i was the only surfer and it was it was a pretty big school um i went to a tiny little primary school but i didn't start surfing until high school and yeah um it was actually it was a bit of a shock actually i went from a primary school with 19 kids to uh like a high school and probably I don't know closer two thousand kids or something. So okay, um, it was a pretty big shock going to the biggest school from just a little country boy from yeah. a tiny little primary school. But there wasn't a single other surfer. You know, it was a coastal, a coastal high school, but there was no other no other uh, surfers at school. So yeah, it was kind of lonely, I guess. <laughs> okay, a couple questions on that is: Were you telling everyone you're a surfer? Kinda, yeah. I mean, I'd, like I'd friends kind of brag. skateboard with, okay, and they'd kind of probably think it was kind of cool but i mean it just it was kind of like people didn't really know what was i suppose then yeah (laughs) or you know it was just kind of it was just kind of weird like everyone just played football in my school and i played football when i was younger as well and then surfing kind of took over and gave everything else up really i played a bit of golf and football and kind of everything else okay took a back seat apart from skating and snowboarding a little bit as well on some of these uh, excursions out in the water Let's say you're getting a little older, you're getting a little more confident. Do you ever get yourself in any like sticky situations where it's like bigger than you thought or is it a little heavier than uh, you thought? I suppose so. Just the kind of usual ones that uh, that people get themselves into, I guess, as they progress. You just start testing your limits, uh-huh. figuring out where they are. But I mean, I, I started spending a lot of time where I live now in Thurzo, which is um, yes. up the road. So, I mean, yeah, I've kind of started making trips up there quite regularly not long after i started surfing and 
yeah, I suppose that's kind of where I earned my stripes, I guess, just surfing the reef breaks up there and just probably got into a few hairy situations when I was learning. Now that you're you're surfing elsewhere, not at the home break that you normally surf at, is there other surfers at this point or still by yourself? I mean, Thursday was um, a bit more uh, bit more popular, you know, yeah. um, than the coast that I, I learned to surf on. So there would always be a few surfers up there. Um, okay. Definitely got busier these days, you know. Post-QS, it got a bit busier. But back then, it was quite a bit quieter than it is now. But yeah, um, there, was, there was always surfers around. At what point does surfing start catching on in the country of Scotland? And are you getting English surfers too? So do you guys divide yourselves as two different countries, even though you're the kind of UK? Um, well, yeah, I suppose the UK is the sovereign state. Yeah. Uh, Scotland's a whether you know there's there's different political beliefs. Okay. I guess. Right. And uh, in Scotland, a lot of people don't want that to be the case, and some maybe do. Okay. It's it's, it's a bit of, there's it's a bit of a divide in the country really as to what um, people want at present. Yeah, Scotland's a country within the within the United Kingdom, but I mean in in surfing terms, we compete or we, we competed at the world champs and the European champs, the Olympics has kind of changed things because you compete as GB at the Olympics. So yeah, it's a pretty complicated place really, the UK. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, yeah. you know, it's like the US is kind of a country with states inside it. Yes. The UK is kind of like a state with countries inside it. So it's a bit of... <laughs> bit That's of, true. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit of the opposite one people, people are used to, I suppose. Because you guys are on a big, kind of a big island. Are you going to uh, England to surf and stuff? Nah, not really. I mean, it's, it's kind of too far of a drive from where I live. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mission. It's, I mean, you're almost easier going abroad. And, uh, oh, really? And driving to the airport and flying abroad. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a pretty long way. Like from Thursday, you're, you're, you're quite, a, quite a long drive. You're seven, eight hours to... So you'd rather just jump on a plane? Google Maps in front of it. You're just to get to the north of England, you know. So if you want to go down to Cornwall and stuff, you're like the guts of you're like fifteen hours door to door almost. To, oh wow! To get down to where the waves are. So, I mean, later in life, you know, I've surfed down there a bit and competed down there a bit and kind of the east coast of England a little bit as well. But, um, but no, I mean, I just started traveling. I suppose around Scotland a little bit surfing. Okay. Mostly in the north, you know. I've never really ventured too far like the the western isles a little bit like lewis which is kind of pretty far north and around kind of sutherland and caithness and uh, murray and aberdeenshire i actually i studied in uh aberdeen university for a few years so mm -hmm. that kind of put me on to some of the breaks in the east coast a little bit okay out the north sea so we used to yeah i mean i kind of met in with some good friends there that were pretty keen surfers as well so we used to you know we we're doing trips up to Thursday quite a lot as well when we were at uni. It was, it's a bit of a drive from Aberdeen, but you could do it in a day there and back if you if you had to. If there was a couple of you, you know, in winter because we've got short daylight hours, so yes, we would bomb up for swells and we'd get surf on the east coast when we could, and and then up like where I grew up is kind of somewhere in the middle. So yeah, between those three bits of coastline, would okay surf there a lot and yeah. It's cool. So I know that kind of area in the back of my hand, really. You know, I've got pretty wired from the north coast to Aberdeen coast. Do you think there's still a lot of spots to be discovered? To be honest, the roads and, and that bit of Scotland anyway, a lot of it goes along the coast. So there's not really that much that's hidden. Okay. 
there's definitely little things that I'm learning, like about some of the breaks I surf a lot, where you know you start to realise, oh, maybe I'd prefer it on this tide a little bit, mm-hmm. or something a little bit different. And I guess it's your surf, but your surfing changes as well, and your ability, you know what I mean? Yes. Your ability gets a bit better. You start to look at things a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but but no, there's been no major discoveries of late that <laughs> yeah that I'm aware of anyway, but. <laughs> It's, it's a funny one in Scotland as well because we get like in winter we get such short daylight hours like yeah like six hours or something from like yeah you I mean you've got from like nine or three you know like a lot wow. either side but but uh, when it's pumping at that time of year you don't really have much time to waste and yeah exactly. there's definitely I mean there's definitely places you could be like having a little bit of a scout around but yeah it's it's difficult to waste days like that and kind of get stuck in your ways a little bit surfing the same breaks possibly but. If they're good, they're good, though, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's getting a lot more crowded these days where I live, so, like, it's kind of cool, and obviously crowds aren't a great thing, but just in a a sense, it kind of makes me surf some of the slabs a little bit more because it's kind of nice just to get away from the crowd a little bit sometimes, so it kind of pushes you in that respect. It's kind of good. Do you know the history of Scottish surfing? A little bit. I hope this isn't a test because I'll get. No, I, I don't wrong, know but. it. So I'm curious. <laughs> this is a question. Like, how, um, how did they, the first person start surfing? How did he get noticed? So there's a, oh, there's a story, and I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I mean, there was a, Andy Bennett's would be able to fill in all the dots for me. He's, he wrote some um, bits on some of the history and stuff. Okay. I think I think they had a board that got up from Cornwall and there was a few of them sharing the surfboard and they left it in the toilet block at Aberdeen Beach and go down in the summer and try and get a few waves in their shorts or okay. a neoprene that you get a hold of. And I wouldn't want to hazard a guess on what the date was, but I think it was like late 60s or something. Okay, cool. And you started uh, no, it must have been early 2000. Early 2000. For those 40 years, it was basically wide open. That's insane. All, yeah. all these years. Yeah, I don't know what okay. the quality of wetsuits were. I mean, when I started, wetsuits were... I mean, I just didn't have very good kit. I bought, like, wetsuit from... Or my mum got me a wetsuit from, like, a... There was a shop called the Spotty Bag Shop. We used to sell all this cheap stuff, you know, and she got us a wetsuit that kids would have probably been using for, like, just jumping in or swimming in the right. sea a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't, like, proper surfing suit, and I remember just being freezing in that, and then... But you kept going. Uh, yeah, and I got a decent wetsuit from ESP, but then I suppose I outgrew that, and I got another one. And then it was like the Rip Curl Elastos came in, remember that? Yeah, you know? yeah, I do. And it was like, I think it was a 4.3, and I tried to use it all for a couple of winters, and it was just so cold in that suit. Um, I got a custom-made suit, actually, after that one, and just couldn't believe the difference. I couldn't believe how cold I'd been for the last two years. Yes, I bet. And, um, yeah, and then a, a bit later than that, I kind of got sponsored by all their wetsuits, and they've been keeping me warm ever since. It was actually one of the first suits I got from ESP. The first warm one was an Alder suit. Um, there was definitely a period in between where I didn't have good suits, and it was hard, and it was cold. And Yeah, you soon realize in Scotland that the wetsuit's more important than any other bit of kit, really. I bet, yeah, 100%. And then you ride a shortboard and a longboard, right? Yeah, I do. I, I don't really longboard much, to be honest. I sometimes go for a little longboard in the. Okay. Yeah, I go for a little longboard in the summer sometimes. Got a few Scottish longboard titles back in the day. That's what I read. <laughs> That's what I was asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a really, really good longboarder in uh, Scotland. He's he's a uh, slightly older than 
older okay. gentleman called Malcolm Finlay, and he's dominated Scottish longboarding for a long time, but there was a few years that it didn't turn up, so I decided <laughs> to enter. <laughs> That's so smart. Brilliant. <laughs> How many guys were in the heats during these competitions? Was it you solo, or was there like a couple other guys? Uh, like in the, uh, no, there's. I mean, yeah. Back in this time, I suppose there's there's a few. Yeah, there'd be like I don't know in the longboard division, you'd probably have sixteen, twenty guys or something. Okay, cool. Um, four man heats. Yeah, you def- and then so you I mean, the open, a few heats. We've got, in the open, you know, sometimes we've got twenty four or thirty two man draw. You know, that's pretty good. Okay, so let's talk about competition. You're progressing in your surfing. You're getting a little older. At what point do contests come into your headspace where you realize there's contests out there? Kind of early-ish. Like, I'd maybe been, I don't know, I'd maybe been surfing a year or two. Mm-hmm. No, nah, maybe, nah, actually, maybe a, a bit less than that, actually, because I went, the first contest I ever did, actually, was in Thurzo. My dad gave me a lift up to Thurzo, and then he left me there with, like, a couple of guys <laughs> that I, Left me there with a couple of guys I knew. As I say, like didn't have the parents kind of molly called me around the place, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was just kind of nice to get a lift up there actually. And then uh, there was a contest at Thursday East actually, and I just remember it being a glorious sunny day, and the waves were kind of really fun. I'd never been right before in my life. I could only go left, and there <laughs> is a little bit of a left at East on this on a certain swell direction, but. Uh, I'd never been right before, basically. So I just went left in this contest. I was the only junior in the contest, so I got all the junior prizes. And oh, that's I just awesome. had a really, had a really good time, and just remember, kind of thinking, I'm, I'm gonna live here at the first opportunity because uh, the waves were just so fun, and yeah, had a really good trip. So it was always on the cards. I was gonna move up to Thurso. Okay. Um, from that point, really, and then shortly after, there was a sorry, just on the contest stuff. There was also Ian Masson, who sadly passed away um, a couple of years ago, he used to organise some events in Fraserburgh that I'd try and get a lift through to as well. Like if I could find a, a parent or a friend to um, take us through. Yeah, they were just kind of local club contests that yeah. he used to do in the winters. Yeah, that was kind of the first consistent experience I had competing. I was going through a few of those comps. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of during a period where the Scottish Surfing Federation wasn't active at the time. So it wasn't until a, f- a few years after that that the Scottish Surfing Federation started up again and then we started running national championships again and, and a couple of other comps and our club comps and stuff like that. So that was it. How many times are you national champ? I won three open ones. Three open? And then, yeah, three open, four longboard and two masters. I did the masters last couple of years. Yes. Um, last year I managed to win the when the Masters and they open in the same year, which was kind of cool. That's super cool. Um, yeah, I kind of oh, maybe feel like I should have had a, could have maybe had a couple other ones, but there was a year we lost because of COVID. I probably felt like I was at my peak about then. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then a couple other close ones, quite a few other close ones, really, where I've come second or whatever, but it's been fun and it's it's good to see some of the kids are getting really good now as well. And, yeah. Um, this junior series that we've been running is really amazing to see some kids in Scotland surfing at a good level. So that's cool. How did you learn to compete? Like, how did you get your heat strategy? Was it uh, through trial and error? A long, long process. I mean, we basically had like one contest a year, like two or one or two contests a year. We'd have the national champs and then inter clubs. And you'd basically wait all year to have this one event. And I basically 
didn't have a head for competing, you know. Was, yeah, there was a period where I started thinking, okay, I could definitely win this, you know, mm-hmm. my, like ability-wise, like, yeah. and there was years where I felt I should have been winning it and I still wasn't. I think it was just me crumbling under pressure, really, and not being able to keep my head in the game, you know. I definitely suffer from getting jelly legs in finals when the pressure's on and, uh, yeah, it's not keeping it together. Some people have got the mind for it and I don't think I really did always, but... So yeah, it was a real long process, and I think I definitely overcame some of that and mm-hmm. managed to bag a few titles. Definitely didn't come quickly or naturally to me. You became a coach. Um, we do a little bit with the juniors. There's actually the Scottish Southern Federation have actually just employed a part-time coach now, so things are developing and yeah, in that side of things as well. I mean, I some other work with the Scottish Southern Federation as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I do some coaching in the Maldives sometimes on, on some boat trips in That's the summers, rad. which is which yeah. is pretty fun. And yeah, obviously offer some coaching at the juniors where I can as well, the kids in Scotland and um, with the local club. Yeah, it's good to pass on what I've learned and I've had a little bit of coaching over the years, but it all probably came way too late. Probably didn't really benefit from any of that until I was about 28 or nearly 30 pretty much so it's uh, it's pretty late in the day I mean it was just we were all just making it up as we went along up until that point and it's amazing to see what you know the difference it makes like technique wise and stuff like obviously I mean you guys in California have this kind of stuff that's been going on for years but yeah something that came a little bit later in Scotland and it's just seeing the progression of the, the juniors these days it's really I know it's it's quite um quite good to see totally and, uh, rad yeah it gets, gets, gets me excited so just seeing kids that are starting from a proper technique and it's good to watch you know so are you guys encouraging cool. the kids like um like how's the lineup there's a lot of lineups that are i've, I've been surfing a couple of times recently and there's been more groms and adults in the water which is amazing amazing at thursday east there's a pretty tight pack of folk out at thursday east and you know there's not a lot of spare waves out there, so um, <laughs> you don't see as many groms. I mean, it's it's quite a heavy wave anyway. It's not exactly grom friendly yeah. for for um, kids at a lower level, but there's a few coming through and they're getting a few waves, so it's good to see. There's a few more grom friendly waves around, and there's quite a few of them out there. So, okay, definitely a lot more groms than there was back in my day. So, Scottish culture and yeah. the surfing culture there. How do they? collide at all is the normal scottish person recognizing surfing or they have no clue about it pretty much don't have a clue i would say i mean surfing's getting a little bit more mainstream i suppose it's getting a little bit more popular maybe it's in a few people's more consciousness a little bit more now but okay in in thursday it's, it's quite popular so people are used to seeing surfers there's a few surfers live there but in a lot of other parts it's uh yeah i mean you get some funny looks getting in your wetsuit <laughs> Um, people don't really know what's going on, but uh, that's funny. Definitely don't think it's like perceived as cool by the general population. You know, it's not like Australia, California, maybe where uh, people think it's it's a cool thing to do. People just kind of think you're weird. Mm, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> the Olympics coming up. How, how's that? And how's Scotland doing? So, like, it's Scotland's a real funny one because, like, in lots of sports, we'll compete as scotland and yes. then in some sports you compete as gb okay it depends on like how the governing bodies are set up like yeah andy murray for example scotland's most successful probably in more recent history 
uh, sportsman in tennis, you know, mm-hmm. and he had to represent GB. You don't actually get to represent Scotland in, in tennis, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And then it, it gets really complicated in surfing because we do represent ourselves as Scotland at world level and European level. But for Olympic qualification mm. and the Olympics, it's got to be GB. So it makes it real complicated. You've got to get into the British team to, to get a chance to qualify and obviously it's really difficult to qualify as well as you probably know it's like oh, there's yeah. only it's a bit, there's not that many slots you guys have this pool of surfers but you got to go into a bigger pool where there's more competition which i mean yeah kind of yeah i guess in in britain just now the the focus is on getting the uh, there's some investment come into to uh, the british level i guess the focus is getting some of the groms in the olympics in not this one, but maybe in a couple of Olympics times or whatever, you know, so that's kind of what they're focusing on. Like a development team? That kind of stuff, yeah, so there's a really good surfer, young surfer in Scotland just now, Craig, he's, um, I mean, he's probably our, our best hope at the moment. There's a few younger ones below him that are showing great promise and, you know, they're maybe like 12 kind of age group, so they're the guys that are really, they're putting the focus on that kind of age groups now, so it's, uh, exciting to see what what the Scottish kids are going to do because they're definitely like on par with what they're doing in other areas of the UK now so yeah um, it's amazing I mean nobody's back in my day I mean we were definite underdogs and even in the UK surfing scene you know Mm -hmm. in Scotland so there used to be a thing called the UK Pro Surf Tour oh really and um, it was a good opportunity for to compete a little bit as well at a yeah. slightly higher level. So that's died out now, unfortunately. But they used to have a contest in Thursday as well. So I made the final of that once. And that was probably one of my biggest achievements, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I've got a bit of a home court advantage there. Yeah, but okay. uh, there were some really good surfers in that tour, you know, like guys like Ruben Ash and Luke Dillon and Job Harris. And um, you've maybe heard some of those names. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. Sure, but yeah, it was good times. How do you describe that wave? Is that a heavy wave? It, l- it looks like a perfect right-hander barrel to me. Got loads of different characters depending on the swell different direction. directions. Yeah. And yeah, different directions, different winds. Like it's in a base, but it's kind of it can be a, a really horrible place. Like on a long period swell, because mm. you sit and you wait for so long for like one wave sets. You know, sometimes. Yes. So when it's crowded, it can definitely get quite. Yeah, people get a bit impatient. And, yeah, um, there's not many waves, and there can be a lot of people, so it can be frustrating in that sense. But it's got a lot of characters. It can break quite like a point break, or it can break quite like when it's straight on. It can go pretty hollow, so it works at different stages of the tide, and it's got different characters then as well. So, although it's a right hander, you get just a right hander mostly. You, you get quite a lot to practice on a few different canvases. Is that your favorite wave? I, I pretty much live kind of on the beach that looks over to that wave and that's where I surf the most. So um So you gotta yeah. check. You check it every morning pretty much? Check it, yeah, check it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Three times a day, five times a day. I can see I can see it from my house. So that's yeah. that's rad. Always keeping an eye on it. How how's localism in Scotland? Are are they open to international surfers or are they kind of like hush hush? I mean we get a lot of international surfers. There's definitely a few traveling pros come through quite often and there's a pretty tight crew that'll sit on the peak and I mean if people are respectful and friendly they'll they'll get waves. Okay. But uh, if anyone's can act in out of line then it's, people aren't shy to tell them as well, you know. So it's uh, <laughs> there's um 
yeah, it's got a pretty good dynamic in the lineup, really. Okay. But there's not like, you can't surf here kind of thing. As long as you're respectful. We should be as guests. Yeah, I mean, nobody's getting bricks through their windscreen or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, paddling out with bits of their car uh, on their board or anything like that. Okay. Not, not like any of the gnarly stories I've heard about California, but. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think those dimes are kind of mostly over. It still happens, I'm sure, but no, it's it's pretty welcoming and friendly for the most part. It's, you know, as long as people are being respectful, as everyone should be when they go traveling anywhere else. Right. You've traveled quite a bit too, so you you've been in a situation where you're not at home. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so you got a new short film that came out, the shortest day. Yeah, Lewis Arnold put together and he filmed a bit of and. Most of the film was done by Malcolm Anderson, who's a good friend that comes down and shoots a lot from the reef. So we got a few good clips. Lewis has put them together, and it, it's up playing on carvemag.com just now, um, if anyone wants to have a look. so Yeah. A few waves from home, a few, few little lefts and a few little rights, and give you a little bit of a taste of what it's like surfing where I live. The waves are epic. I mean, I'm jealous of what you're surfing. How long did it take to put that edit together, um, it's probably filmed for most of the winter last okay. winter. So, right. uh, Malcolm's down there filming a lot. He'll come with me when we go check a few spots out. So he films quite a lot. It's a few months worth yeah. of clips, I guess. Man, you guys got good ways. You really it just, it just looks really chilly. Honestly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll put, <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes too. So everyone can link on to watch that film. You've had a couple other films you've been in, like a little edits you've been into, right? So this is not your first yeah. film with you. Yeah, I did something similar with uh, Lewis and Malcolm. Okay. Um, again, last year, it played at the London Surf Film Festival, yeah. just like in the shortest section. So it was just a little edit similar to this one. Um, you know, Malcolm just gets such good clips that, yeah, it seems a shame not to do something good with him. And Lewis is pro filmmaker, so yeah. um, he's offered to put it together the last couple of years and Keeps the wetsuit sponsors happy, so it's well done. I mean, it's just it's a really epic movie. Thank you. Completely jealous, I'll be honest. You're scoring. <laughs> the boys will be stoked. You're a taller guy. Are you six four? I am. Yeah. Jeez. How does that help, or does that a disadvantage in surfing? I think, well, statistically speaking, I mean, if, if you look at the WSL, you'll see most of them are pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of anomalies on there you know Jordy I guess was the yeah he's kind of big the tallest yeah he's 6'3 maybe and you know Owen when he was on tour I think he was 6'3 as well so I kind of looked at those guys to see like what you know like when I was trying to figure out what boards I should be riding yes it was quite it was quite hard to get off the shelf boards you know for someone my size and weight so oh yeah it was actually when Jordy Smith came to Scotland for the QS mm-hmm. um, someone got a hold of one of his old boards and then I managed to get a hold of it. I basically had to beg for this board because I just wanted Jordy's board because I knew he was a real similar weight and height to me. So I got that board and then um, managed to just base everything I've had since off that one. <laughs> was that a game changer? Did that change your surfing? Um, yeah, a little bit. It just kind of gave me a bit of confidence in what I should be riding because I was kind of guessing before that. There's not really any shapers locally. There's a shaper down in Edinburgh, Jason, uh, in Scotland, but yeah. there's not really any shapers locally. And I mean, I've always got my board from abroad, really, or previous to that. I mean, I, I get my boards from the Pukas Factory, the Lost Boards from the okay. Pukas Factory in, in Spain, in the Basque Country now. But 
bit previous to that, you know, I was just kind of getting bored from here, there and everywhere. And before that time, I didn't really know what I was supposed to be riding. So <laughs> it was a bit of a process as well. Like, all, I guess all these things are, but I mean, there's so much more accessibility to this kind of information for the kids and stuff now and with the internet. And yeah. There's a lot more knowledge in Scotland and a lot more help for knowledge to be passed down and people can get right equipment quicker. Yeah, it's good. Do you know of anybody that's uh, stepping into that gap of being interested in shaping there or learning the process um, besides the, yeah, the just, one guy? Yeah, Jason and Martin, they're down in Edinburgh away, but I think my, my friend Scotty tried to shape a couple of boards in his, in his shed this summer maybe. Okay. <laughs> There's nobody like that's kind of really committed and gone abroad and learned a trade and huh, not interesting. where I live anyway. So, I mean, it'd be pretty cool if somebody got to a good level doing it in Scotland. It's probably something that would help develop things even more, you know? Yeah. Well, it's coming. It's just going to grow. Yeah. How much has surfing grown from being out by yourself to now there's some crowds and a little eggy? Uh, if, if you look at it like that, like I've been back visiting the beach I learned to surf on a few times on a couple of little swells in the last like few months and when i've been there you know it's gone from being out there alone to there being like there's a surf school there now and wow um, like you know there can be i mean with the surf school in the water there's i don't know <laughs> i suppose there's 10 20 and then there's the guys at the back so 30 you know wow. 40, 50 people in the water now, you know, where it used to just be me, maybe a couple boat boaters. <laughs> wow. In Thurzo, I suppose it's, there's always been a bit of a crew there, but since I've been surfing and, um, but yes, I suppose like there's a few more travelers these days. And, yeah. Um, it gets kind of, yeah, I mean, it gets packed out, but on occasion. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Did you ever think it would get that crowded when you're 14 year old Mark? Probably, it's 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 not even anything I used to think about. To yeah. be honest, you know, I didn't even think, oh, this is going to change one day, you know. But I suppose the more you travel and you see what's happening, and just surfing in general is getting more popular. I think so. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go; it's getting busier. If anything, I would say Thursday's maybe on on the grand scheme of things, like you know, everyone's always complaining, oh, it's getting busier now, it's getting busier. But I've been to beaches that I've visited ten years apart in other parts of the world, and it's just like. You can't even believe, you can't even comprehend how much busier it's got. Oh, so yeah. In that sense, we're, we're maybe lucky. At what point did you finally make a surfing buddy, like someone you could drive off each other, like, let's go surf? Because it sounds like you were pretty solo for a long time. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, when I went to university, probably. Wow. You know, so I, was, I was like I'm 17 by this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to uni and then. I made a couple of good friends at university and we used to go on strike missions all over the place. Oh, that's so cool. That was good fun. And I was like, yeah, when I was a little bit younger, you know, you meet a couple of the kids your same age um, at some of the comps as well. So uh -huh. we're all pushing each other and we'd see each other at the comps and stuff. Yeah. Um, you'd, you know, you'd be gauging yourself against them and trying to improve. And, but no, definitely when I went to uni, then a couple of guys that, you know, a South African friend and a Brazilian friend. Okay. Uh, come over to Scotland to study and you know they surf better than I did so that was that really pushed me a lot surfing with those guys oh I bet yeah 100% how often is it warm there is it is it like 80% rainy and kind of cold or what's the weather 
Um, we've had a really nice summer, but obviously we don't get much surf in the summer, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, it's pretty miserable a lot of the time. <laughs> it's pretty wet and windy, and in winter it's freezing. Okay. Um, I mean, they make you appreciate the nice days, you know, when the sun's out. Yeah. We're pretty lucky as surf. Like we get real short daylight hours, and obviously it's snowing and it's dark and it's raining and it's windy. But I think it just keeps your happiness levels up because we just spend so much time outside as surfers. So you're getting the UV, you know. Like yes. I think a lot of people in Scotland gets pretty miserable, you know. Mm. Like the weather is rubbish, and you can't blame anyone for hiding themselves inside. And people aren't getting out and being active. Scotland's unfortunately got a really high level of obesity and heart disease and it's quite an unhealthy country really and um, alcoholism and (laughs) and, um, I mean you can't really blame people I mean it's kind of the easy thing to do and it's it's not inviting to get outside in bad weather and and go and be active but I mean surfing kind of forces us to do that yeah you know we're we're all addicted to surfing and that's why we're doing it and then and you get the benefits of it just getting daylight on your face Especially if the waves are pumping. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, going back to the shortest day, it looks like a lot of offshore days, a lot of offshore barrels. <laughs> I suppose that's the good ones that's been, been kept in the film. I mean, that's not showing a lot of the onshore muck that we surf a lot oh, of Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. But it's cold, but, if you, man, if it's offshore and you're getting a barrel, that's rad. Yeah. Well, the way the weather patterns work, when it's offshore and, like, nicer winds, you know, we tend to get, nicer weather at the same time so oh, okay i guess it always in the, in the good clips it always looks like it's sunny <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty horrible patches of weather in between good moments but how do you juggle your personal life in surfing is life based around swell and wind and tide well yeah it always has been and i work offshore as well as and uh, doing a bit of work for the scottish surfing federation but have done since I graduated uni so I used to spend long periods of time I do a bit less mm-hmm. now um, I used to spend long periods of time at sea wow. um, on, on survey boats so it was kind of hard you know and, and then I would just be like 100% committed to just surfing as much as I could when I was home from work yeah. I've got a son now a 16 month old son oh, congrats. unfortunately you know mum aren't together he's actually a four hour drive away so I've been spending a lot of time on the road this last year trying to see him as much as I can mm-hmm. um, it's not always as easy now getting to surf on every swell you know it's like you don't want to miss swells when you yeah. when you can't yeah have you had any injuries or you've been staying pretty healthy I've been pretty lucky for the most part I'd fit a couple little ones I knocked myself out once yeah I read that <laughs> broke my nose i kind of got stabbed in the groin with the nose of my board Ooh. once as well and got, got a few stitches um but other than that i've not broken any bones touch wood that's um been too heavy so fingers crossed yeah maybe i'm not sending it hard enough that could be the reason <laughs> that's funny now you're ripping i i would disagree the videos show that you're ripping and then um do you watch pro surfing i've watched a lot of it I'm watching a little bit less since uh, since the wee man came along, just because yes. I feel like I'm. Of course, I feel like I'm driving constantly as well, just up and down that road. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I that kind of been eating in my time. But um, 
just for sitting watching the surfing as much as I did. But yeah, I, I love it. I, I watch every last drop of it if I can. Okay. Um, it's just it's just so good when the contests are on to have it on in the background. You can kind of just uh, Pick it, yeah. you don't you know you don't need to be fixed at it. You can kind of be doing other stuff 100%. and then you kind of hear the commentary and then there's a good wave comes on. But you can watch it. But I'm not sold on the final five format. Okay. It's. Uh, I mean, I just feel it's a bit of an injustice, Carissa, not getting the last two world titles, to be honest. Okay. I mean, as much as I like watching the final day, I think it's exciting. It's it's obviously great, but I just don't think you can artificially recreate the excitement that you get when it used to be like Andy and Kelly at Pipe to decide the title. or like That's what made it so special is the fact that it doesn't happen every year. Yes, and uh, I see I that. Just don't, I think, just think those moments are kind of good. they've been taken away, and the whole purpose of a tour is to decide the best surfer over all the different conditions. And at the end of the year, I'm just I'm just not sold on a one day event. At Lowers, point number two. Yeah, I mean, you might as well just have call the ISA World Games the Pro World Title and just get rid of the tour if that's what you're going to do. You know, okay. It just seems like what's the point of having a one day event to decide a tour winner doesn't make sense but okay anyway yeah i mean <laughs> i didn't think i would like the format personally not that it matters what i think but i do like it now kind of it is exciting and there was yeah. plenty of years asp and wsl years where someone already had the title to two contests before the season was over you know what i mean yeah so that's just the way it was and they deserved it you know that's 100 they, true they, they did deserve do, it they couldn't do what carissa's done and deserved it and then got stolen from her because she doesn't perform agreed. in one wave one day you know and it's kind of yeah agreed. yeah i just find that pretty hard gotta be a hard pill to swallow for her okay wow yeah no 100 percent. good commentary on that like what about uh wave pools you've spent some love time or do you love them i love them i can't get enough of them <laughs> I absolutely love it. I Why? like because I hate sand, I hate salt, I hate <laughs> like I hate driving around looking for waves. Okay, I just think they're like they're better than surfing in the sea like ninety percent of the time. Like obviously, it's never going to be as good as the sea on a good day. Uh-huh. But like, or you never know. It actually might become as good as the sea on a good day. But yeah, you know, there's all those surfs in between the good surfs. Wave pools generally are better than those surfs, mm-hmm. and it's like they're really fun, and you know what you're getting, and it's never going to be the same. But it's, for somebody who just wants to go and like practice or what a tool, they're amazing. There's actually one getting built in Edinburgh in 2024, so oh nice, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, really exciting. So, do you think it's helping the Scottish competitive surfer? Yeah, our wave pools. Uh, it will when this one in Edinburgh gets built yeah. for sure. Where's the closest one? Wales. Yeah, but they're just closing it down. There's one in Bristol, so okay. most of the Groms like, tend to go down there once a year, you know, on family trips and yeah. things like that. So, And I, if, if I've been down in Cornwall competing, I'll stop in. Or It's, it's real close to the, the main motorway if you're going to Cornwall. So, yeah, it's definitely somewhere to stop off at, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I've been to the one in Switzerland as well, which is really Oh, good. yeah. It was better than the Bristol one, and I believe Edinburgh's going to be better again. You know, it's going to have more, I don't know what they're called, modules or pumps or whatever. Mm. And it's going to be slightly bigger. And So, yeah, just amazing and exciting times for Scottish surfing, really. And, uh, like, just the air section technology 
that it looks like they've got, I don't know if you've seen that footage of Leo Fioravanti trying the air section in the new, I can't even remember which one it was, was it Switzerland maybe? No, I did not. But, uh, I missed and that. there's some footage at Korea or the other one as well. It's pretty exciting to have that kind of repetition on an air section, you know? Yeah. I'd love to try and surf the Waco one as well. That'd be really cool. Do you think that you can learn and excel in surfing, learning from the wave pool, and then go into the ocean? Do you think it translates? Yes. You're not going to learn the how the ocean works, obviously, that aspect, which I think is super important in competition, you know, wave selection. Yeah. And, I mean, that part's always going to have to be learned, so the more time you spend in a wave pool and not in the ocean, I guess it's time lost in that mm-hmm. aspect for kids that are going to, you know, there's kids that are going to start surfing and this is going to be the norm. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, someone maybe take note on, you know, it's like the more time. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's just got, it's got to be there just to supplement real surfing, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, from a competitive and learning standpoint okay. um, for technique and stuff, it's going to be incredible. Yes. And then the last question, do you prefer to surf front side or backside? Um, I always try and surf frontside when whenever when you're speaking of wave pools. Like I always go, I always go, go left. left at the wave pool. Oh, like, I go right so much at home. So okay. Um, I mean, I definitely try and balance it out a little bit, but my forehand definitely gets pretty weak sometimes just because I'm going backside so much. Yeah, it takes me a bit of time to get used to a left hander again, but uh, try and get that opportunity as much as I can. And when I go travel. I, do try and go to left-handers if I can as well. Yeah. <laughs> With the Olympics going to Chopu, have you surfed that wave? I haven't actually, but I'd really like to surf Chopu. It looks pretty nice on the, I don't know what the swell direction is, but there's certain swell direction at a certain size that it looks it looks quite manageable. Really? Okay. Inviting even? It yeah, it does. I, I think it looks really fun, but I, I suppose it's very crowded these days. So I don't know if it would be my oh, yeah. first choice. I actually was in, I spent a bit of time in New Zealand. Um, oh, yeah. Quite quite a few years ago. And because it's, I mean, you're a bit closer to some of those Pacific islands. So I had the chance and I was going to go to Chopes. I basically had the choice. I had like a week mm-hmm. or two free. And I had the choice whether to go to Fiji or Tahiti. And I ended up going to Fiji. Okay. And cloud break. How but, was that? Um it was really good. Yeah, it was good. It was quite wind exposed. I didn't really. We got like a couple of really good days. One really big, good day, and then one kind of smaller windy day. I got some real good tubes, but it wasn't like mega clean. It was just like quite windy a lot. And okay. um, obviously, I needed to get the boat out there and um, sound like I'm complaining. Yeah, I had a great time. It was good. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I got a really good big barrel there, and that no, was really cool to tick off such a famous spot and I enjoyed it right on but getting back to the you were speaking about the traveling before yes and um, yeah just speaking about traveling surfing other breaks and you know like I, I spent a bit of time surfing Koshos in Portugal with you know that's a localized right hander mm-hmm. as well and you know, just when go surf those places you know I just feel like you you take the scraps don't you and you let the locals they're just doing that on a daily basis so you've just kind of, kind of got to understand what they're kind of hierarchies do and take things underneath them and it kind of works out as well I think for the traveling surfer if you're uh, paying attention to those things you can kind of like 
get those waves that are the three quarter size ones yeah. that, you know the guys at the back don't want and it's kind of nice to be that guy you know sometimes just like when you're traveling and just hunting around the inside and picking off everything that you, you can get off the locals it's it's kind of nice for a change it is do you like shredding the wetsuit when you're going to some of the warmer destinations or do you prefer wearing a wetsuit um i love not having a wetsuit on it's amazing <laughs> yeah but i hate the rash oh yeah like i get so rashed on my belly my armpits and um that's like a total negative for me but it's really good if you've got enough time to like build up the calluses mm. and like stay there for a while but I just find I'm never on a trip. I think you need like six weeks for that to happen. Okay. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just feel like I'm, I always just feel like I'm stinging on these trips. But um, but no, I do love surfing in a wetsuit. I've just, I've started, I've kind of, sorry, without a wetsuit on, but I've just started trying to like listen to my skin. And as soon as I start getting a bit of the rash, try not to power through and surfing for another three hours because it can kind of ruin your trip, you know? If yeah, you end if you're up, too heavy, too, too much. Too rash, too quickly, yeah. but it's difficult to pace yourself when you're in the tropics and it's pumping. And <laughs> yeah, 100%. you don't need to put a wetsuit on. But yeah, sometimes trying a travel with like a thin neoprene thing. Just if I do start feeling it, I'll put that on and try and prevent the rash happening a little bit. But but yeah, wetsuits are nice for uh, that protection. I really like surfing in booties, to be honest. Oh, do you? Um, I do. Yeah, I'm just so used and. It, it takes me a little bit of time to get used to not surfing in them whenever I go somewhere. It's not so bad in the tropics, but I find it quite tricky. And like, you know, if I go to like mainland Europe and go to Portugal or places like that, and it's like it's kind of that borderline temperature sometimes. Yes. In Portugal, you kind of feel like you don't need breeze, but my feet feel just a little bit cold, and I don't really feel like I'm grippy. Yeah, so, a lot um, has to do with the grip, right? Yeah, definitely. And confidence thing a mental thing i'm not sure but yeah i definitely feel like i'm a bit more solid on my board when i've got boots on 100 and um, yeah i know a lot of the boys feel the same yeah i mean we wear them here in california but honestly i wear just the back foot one i only put one on yeah <laughs> yeah i was in lansbury one like uh, quite a few years ago and the Gdowskis brothers were right there and they were all wearing buoys as well and you didn't eat them there you know but obviously they're from slightly colder water so oh, they yeah. must have felt like they were preferred them as well or something yeah you're the reigning scottish national champ too right i'm not actually um, young lad craig mclaughlin took the title last time i won the masters okay so you're <laughs> i got second okay so you're still the scottish <laughs> masters national champ i am and um yeah, I'll be I'll be training hard and giving Craig a run for his money again this year. Okay, cool. <laughs> How old's Craig? Uh, he's just he's eighteen now. Oh, he's, so I mean, there's a big. Yeah. You're, you're double his age. Pretty almost I'm double his age. Yeah, yeah. So how, how how does that feel that you're competing against these young guys? Do you it's do you like amazing, giving it to him? Yeah, it's it's actually really good. I feel like we've we've went back and forth a couple of times. That's now, good. So it's, uh, it's getting pretty uh, bit of a rivalry there, and I need to uh, <laughs> I need to step my game up. I'm, I need to put some. I need to train harder, dude. That's such a, a big deal, like to you know compete with the young guys and and you keeping it fresh and ripping just as hard. So that's excellent. Good job on that. Cheers. Yeah. All right, everybody. So this is Mike and Mark Boyd, and we are out of here. Thank you. Hunter foot at Jaipur, Hunter X 
Bricks on a surf dude Slip brick Big guns like my food Trap jumping like a kangaroo Hundred foot out choke Hundred racks on a surf dude Slip brick Big guns like my food Trap jumping like a kangaroo You know we don't fuck with no cooks You boo on my didgeridoo They calling me Duke I'm stacking the loot I'm ripping your chick in the coop She grabbing a hold of my leggy They jelly, they get you my wedding The friends are just happy The train is so heavy She thinks that I'm charging the Eddie Hundred racks on a surf dude Slippery Big guns like Mark Fu Trap jumping like a kangaroo Hundred foot out choke Hundred racks on a surf dude Slippery Big guns like Mark Fu Trap jumping like a kangaroo Surf trap I'm stacking that money Cash Four shots a red Ferrari He starts to calling me Dundee Diamonds are surfing McFlurry She want me to teach her to surf Splash I'm pulling up ripping the verse they get moved hundred foot on their head, they get work. Hundred foot out choke. Hundred racks on a surf dude. Slippery, big guns like my food. Trap jumping like a kangaroo. Hundred foot out choke. Hundred racks on a surf dude. Slippery, big guns like my food. Trap jumping like a kangaroo. You know we don't fuck with no cooks. You know we don't fuck with no cooks. You can't let me do. I'm stacking the loot. I'm ripping your chick in the coops. You know we don't fuck with no cooks. You know we don't fuck with no cooks. They can't let me do. I'm stacking the loot. I'm ripping your chick in the coop. Hey, you guys, Endless Summer box set. This thing is legit. It's authentic, numbered certificate in it. It has a five-frame film strip. From the original print, you will literally own a piece of history. It has a specially minted bronze medallion. Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.